Steelers. Here we go. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Incredible is the only word I can think of. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Saints, winners of two out of three on the road. They now come back home where they are dynamite, 6-1 and one in New Orleans this year. Joining us now to discuss is Larry Holder from The Athletic. Uh, Larry, I don't know how much you have to deal with the other athletic people, but if Mark Caballi ever gives you a rough time, just let us know. We'll take care of him, okay? <laughs> it's funny because when you, we come to New Orleans and we sit in the press box, and this isn't normal, we actually they sit up the, the two athletic guys together. So if this does happen, I will I will come at you immediately, like, as soon as he shows up. Yeah, I, I feel bad that you're going to have to sit next to Mark. I, I would imagine that you get a lot of uh, requests of places to go in New Orleans. I mean, you guys have one of the best towns to, to visit, certainly, for the uh, drunken sports media. Uh, well, absolutely. If you want to eat, you want to drink. I mean, that's, that's why everybody thinks that the uh, best Super Bowls are always held in New Orleans, because of proximity and, uh, I guess, debauchery. And we'll just we'll just probably leave it at that adjective. Larry Holder joining us here from The Athletic on the Crowley Show. What's the status of the offensive line? Uh, we've heard that they're banged up a little bit down there in New Orleans. Yeah, they actually got some good news today. Uh, Teron Armstead and Max Unger do not have an injury designation, so they, uh, as far as health-wise, they should be good to go. I mean, Teron Armstead missed the last five games uh, with a pectoral injury, and he, he made the Pro Bowl regardless. I mean, I think that just goes to show you how good it, and it's his first Pro Bowl, so he didn't get there on name recognition. So it's, uh, it's, it just goes to show you how good he is when he's in the game. And Max Unger, uh, also a Pro Bowler, but yeah, he, uh, had a concussion, uh, last week, um, and limited in practice most of this week, obviously cleared. He's ready to go. So, uh, they're, they're healthier now. But we certainly thought last week because at one point, you had Andres Pete move from left guard to left tackle. You had rookie Will Clapp had to come in to fill in where Pete was. And then Cameron Tom had to play for Max Unger. So he was a wreck during last week's game. But uh, they should be ready to go, which is uh, uh, absolutely what the Saints need to kind of help that offense get back on track. Larry, a lot of people talk about the Saints and Drew Brees and the record he set. And Drew Brees is fabulous. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I wonder what Cameron Jordan thinks about that. I think he'd agree. Uh, but it's really the running game that has been the renaissance for these guys the last couple of years on that side of the ball, no? Yes, and it's really taken the pressure off of Drew Brees. And you look at the duo of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, and even though neither one of them made the Pro Bowl last year, they both made it. Uh, neither one of them made the Pro Bowl this year. They both made it last year. And Kamara is probably one of those snub type guys, but I mean it's pretty stacked in the NFC. But no, that's it's really taking the pressure off of Drew Brees to have to be Houdini and do it all, and also just that offensive line. Like I said, Saints have two Pro Bowlers, and uh, look, that's really the catalyst for the Saints. And when it's we're not used to seeing that, given how high flying they've been for as long as Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been together. We've talked a lot this week about Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, who's the better coach, just having that little debate. And I think the one thing that everyone can agree on is that it's smart that both organizations have stuck by the side of these guys. 
But how close were the Saints to not sticking by Sean Payton when he had those three straight seven and nine seasons? Yeah, well, part of it was that he was looking to get out for a couple of those seasons. And it was more him than maybe the organization. Now, if 2017 would have been seven and nine again, it wouldn't have shocked me at all if you would have just had a total reboot where you would have no Sean Payton. You could probably move on from Drew Brees as well. But, of course, they won a division last year, and now they're even better this year than they were last year. So, yeah, it's, it's one thing that uh, the Benson family, they've, they've always been very patient with their coaches. And, look, you could have gone back to the bounty scandal. Other organizations right. might have fired the coach with that. And they stuck by him and actually defended him. And so, yeah, it's, and it's, it, like I said, it was teetering, um, maybe, uh, going into 2017, kind of a make or break season. But now, oh, everything's, uh, sunshine and roses here in New Orleans as they're the top seed right now in the NFC. Drew Brees, I'd imagine, is a, a god down there. I mean, the, the history of the New Orleans Saints isn't necessarily a, a great one. I mean, it's, it's somewhat lengthy, but, I mean, they had their struggles, and I think everyone remembers the, bags on the faces of saints fans i think they might have been the ones that coined that um but but lately they have been certainly successful they won the super bowl with peyton and drew Brees. what has it been to allow drew Brees to continue to have this level of success even though he's continuing to get up there in age yeah he turns 40 in a couple of weeks and it's really kind of the the same sort of scenarios you see with tom brady and uh, uh you know people just talk about how medical marvel and people take care of their bodies a lot more than they used to. And that's certainly part of it. But it's it's another that look, Drew Brees is just kind of a uh, – he's a physical freak. He doesn't look like he would be this great quarterback. I mean, he's not the big biggest guy in the world, obviously. And it's funny. Sometimes it's like he's got to, like, get on a tippy toe to stare over the <laughs> offensive line to, to even throw a pass, but he gets it done. And that's uh, – like and he's just a, a once-in-a – well, a couple of the intergeneration talent, like I said, with Tom Brady, I would put him right up there. And like, He was on his way to the MVP, had a couple of slow weeks, and I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes' is now. But uh, he's, he's certainly going to be up for consideration for that award. And it is amazing he's actually never won that award, which is kind of stunning. It is stunning. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, and now that I hear it, yes, that is absolutely stunning. Larry Holder from The Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. What is it about playing at home? I, I mean – is it just simple? It's the turf. It's the fans. I mean, they, they just seem to be a totally different team there. Not that they're bad uh, whenever they're not there, but it almost seems like uh, you, you you better hope that they don't show up to the game when you got to play in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, it is the crowd is an equalizer. I mean, it's it, it, the sound. It's the dome keeps the sound in. I mean, it's uh, it's easily one of the loudest in the the NFL, and also it's just. The fact that they're winning, I think that helps. <laughs> that helps energize folks as well. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's one also why like, the only time the Saints have ever had home field in the playoffs was the year they won the Super Bowl. And uh, they uh, they let's go back to 2011. I thought that was actually the best team they've ever fielded. They ended up 13 and three at the end, being the three seed. And so you know, on the road, crazy things happen. And uh, you look at it, and uh, the, the Saints are hell-bent to get home field advantage because they know it is certainly uh, an equalizer uh, as far as communication and, uh, you know, just, just kind of a daunting place to play uh, for opposing teams. How's the Eli Apple move worked out? 
I'm, I was always kind of leery about it, and yet I'm seeing certainly an improved player, especially the last couple of weeks. And when you look at the way he's been able to adjust leaving New York, that was obviously a bad situation for him. Uh, you know, and a lot of that was his fault. And so you you, you move him, and look, he, he came to a locker room where he had friends. Like, he played with Marshawn Lattimore. He played with Von Bell. He played with Michael Thomas, all these guys in Ohio State. So I think there was a level of comfort there just mentally. And now you've gotten the physical part uh, on, on track. And the trade is looking better than I thought it would be because you basically were paying a fourth-round pick. If, if you're giving away a top-ten pick uh, two years ago for a fourth-round pick, there's a reason why. And so, and uh, But, no, he's certainly uh, he's paying off better than I anticipated, honestly. The run defense is something that Mike Tomlin talked about in his Tuesday press conference. He said it's not just because teams are behind and they want to throw the ball. That plays into it. He says that's why one of the reasons they're giving up 80 yards a game on the ground, but he says they're also great at stopping the run altogether as you look at yards per carry, and they're right up there as well. Uh, what have you seen from this rush defense? I, I feel like you don't typically see a team get after the quarterback as much as a team like the Saints does and also stop the run well. Yeah, and I was on the same page for a while, too, when the Saints were really putting up big-time points. And I just thought it was maybe a byproduct of just teams having to throw to play catch-up. But that's not the case, as you just alluded to. And that's right. I mean, you've seen Cam Jordan. He's playing at an all-pro level uh, like he did last year. Sheldon Rankins is really kind of being the big revelation. Uh, he has eight sacks. and I mean, we're obviously talking about run defense, but he's been great against the run. I feel like their defensive front has been great. And Demario Davis at linebacker, I wrote a column last week in The Athletic, and I don't think it's that far-fetched. I said he's the best NFL free agent pickup, a guy to switch oh, yeah. teams, than uh, you know, in the NFL this year. And I, I say he's the best linebacker since the Saints have been signed the film. That's not a stretch at all. He might be better than Filmer at this rate in his career. So, yeah, he has been a huge difference maker. And the, the defense is legit. And it's not often I say that in New Orleans because we've seen some historically bad defense here in New Orleans for a few years. I look at the Saints and you see a football team that they haven't been putting up the same points that they had earlier in the season. But now you're going to play the last two games. The Saints are in the Dome, likely going to be playing there throughout the remainder of the season into the playoffs. So was their recent slow stretch, that is that a is that because of the offensive line being a little bit nicked up? Is that just being on the road? What's the deal there? Yeah, I think it's more about the offensive line being nicked up a little bit with the road. I mean, they played three road games. It was a crazy schedule. Which is weird. Thursdays. That's that's stupid. Yeah, two Thursday games and then a, and then a Monday night. So it was a strange schedule for sure uh, with, with the way the Saints. But they navigated it. Like they only – they. They lost by three points to Dallas. I mean, so and that's the only loss. So they were able to get it done. I also feel like though that there's a, a lack of really weapons in the passing game for Drew Brees right now. It's Michael Thomas and a bunch of nobots. I mean, mm-hmm. people have been pining for uh, Ted Ginn to come off IR. He actually practiced for the first time this week. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to play yet. That's that, of course, that window when you when you designate him off IR. But right. when you're begging for Ted Ginn to come back, you know you're lacking wide receiver depth. And so I do think that's part of it, and teams have kind of caught on to 
all right, they're going to abuse the screen game with Alvin Kamara and, and Ingram. And so uh, even Taysom Hill said after uh, the, the win in uh, in Carolina that it's been a struggle because teams are starting to kind of catch on to some of the things that they're doing. So obviously they got to they got to try to mix it up at some point. Last thing for you, Larry. Uh, you, you mentioned Taysom Hill. Usually I'm anti-taking your Hall of Fame quarterback off the field, but how has that worked for the Saints? Well, technically Drew doesn't come off the field, but if, <laughs> if Taysom, if Taysom throws the football to Drew Brees, I think Sean Payton would choke Taysom Hill. <laughs> so he wants no part of that. But, no, I, I think it's, it's really been a welcome wrinkle. And they, I, I do think teams caught on to it a little bit and, and the Saints scaled back, but – just for an example, uh, in Carolina, you know, things were kind of struggling a little bit. Taysom did come in and, and popped off, like, say, an 11-yard run and kind of got things going. So he's kind of just this energy burst guy where where his kind of his, his attitude is infectious because he, he says, man, Ron the bench stinks, and I know I'm not going to play above Drew Brees, so I'm going to do anything I can. I mean, blocks, punch, returns, plays tight end, will uh, take snaps at quarterback. He's even lined up at running back before. Uh, lined up as a wide receiver, he's like the ultimate Swiss Army knife, and uh, I, he is really kind of one of the reasons why uh, the Saints uh, have been so successful this year. You don't want to put it on one guy like him, but he is—he's been a real difference maker. There's no doubt about it. Awesome stuff, Larry. Thank you so much for the time. Make sure you give Caboli a tough time. All right. All right. I'm in. Pull his chair out from under him, or, or do something. I'll—I'll like have a camera ready for you guys. My man. Thanks a lot. You got to take care. All right, that's Larry Holder from The Athletic. If you pull the chair out of Mark Caboli's behind and he lands on the ground, uh, there will be casualties in that press box. All right, that's not that's not nice to Mark Caboli. We were talking about Cameron Jordan a little bit there with Larry, but we talked about him in the previous segment and the things he had to say about Ben Roethlisberger. I got this tweet from allsportsportal.com at underscore Adam Crowley. Cameron Jordan knows Ben's story. He was trolling him. That said, let's see what Ben and the Steelers can do about it. I'm fascinated by this. Does Ben Roethlisberger come out and play a great football game because he's the bear that's been poked proverbially? Or does he do what he did against the Jags, which is suck? Uh, Does he suck because we saw the same thing happen when Jalen Ramsey said, ah, Roethlisberger average at best. Uh, and Ben played maybe the worst football game of the season against Jacksonville earlier on in the year. Uh, I wonder if that is going to happen, and I wonder if that's part of what Cameron Jordan was doing. Now, I said that I thought it's because he's only watched Ben's tape from this year. And if you only watch Ben's tape from this year, he doesn't look like a Hall of Famer, not even close to one. Now, there are moments, but there are also moments where he looks like Blake freaking Bortles. So... I wonder if it's just ignorance, or I do wonder if he's poking the bear a little bit, uh, trying to get Ben Roethlisberger, that cowboy, to have his shooter-shoot mentality. Coming up next, I'll give you some of the scores from around the league, including one that's going to make you very happy as a Steelers fan if you're looking at the backdoor entry, hey into the playoffs. It's Adam Crowley live from Mullins in the North Shore. It's growing a tailgate talk on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. This is very self-serving. Got this one from Swede at underscore Adam Crowley. I listen 24-7, paralyzed and bedridden since... 
2018, and I remember when Crowley first hit the Steelers Nation radio airwaves. I wasn't impressed, but man, he's killing it these days. Good analysis, smooth delivery, tone and timing, top notch. Hashtag, here we go. Yeah, I'm the Crowley. In addition to Twitter, get after me, 412-922-2874. That would be the number. Let's get you some of the scores from around the league. Uh, as the Steelers, uh, they very well might need some help to get into the playoffs. Now, uh, that being said, if they win the next two, they're in. Uh, they control their own fate. I hate that phrase. I hate to control your own destiny. Bullcrap, there's other teams on the field. But if the Steelers win the next two, they're in. If they don't, though, what you need to happen is... Either the Ravens lose to the Browns in the last week of the season, which is possible, but I don't think likely it's in Baltimore. They already lost the Browns this year, so I don't see it happening again. The other way is if the Giants beat the Colts and then the Colts beat the Titans next week, if the Steelers beat the Bengals, the Steelers get in. Well, the Giants right now, they're up 7 nothing on Indianapolis. Saquon Barkley plunges ahead for a touchdown. Uh, the Dolphins on top of the Jags right now, 7-0. The Patriots, they're trying to get the number two seed in the AFC if things don't work out for Houston. Uh, they just took a early 7-0 lead on the Bills. Sonny Michelle getting in there for six. Uh, the Texans trail the Eagles right now after a long Darren Sproles touchdown, 7-0. So they are absolutely in danger of falling out of first-round bye territory. Were they ever good enough to really get a first-round bye? I mean, were they ever the team... They were masquerading to be. I don't know. I don't much believe in the Texans. But for everybody writing off the New England Patriots and saying they suck and they do on the road, well, if they get the number two seed, you're going to rule them out? They're playing into the second weekend, right? The third weekend. They're going to be in the AFC Championship game if they play their first game in Gillette Stadium. You can book that. I'll give you more of the scores from around the league as we continue and as they become available. Uh, Anything exciting happens I'll let you know. Here's betting, though, as I mentioned before, that Ben throws at 50-plus times today. The Saints are second in the league in yards per carry against. And there's been speculation uh, from the not-informed that the Saints' rush defense is only great because teams are behind against them. So you're not going to run. You're going to have to air it out. You're going to have to throw in order to get back into football games. Yeah, I don't buy that. I'm sure it plays somewhat into why they haven't given up that many rushing yards this year. But the Saints are also second in the league in yards per carry against. So they're stout up front. They're first in the league, tied with the Steelers in sacks. So they play the run on the way to the quarterback as well as any team in football. Uh, Usually you don't see that. When teams are able to get after the quarterback like the Saints are this year, you don't see them stuff the run the way that they have. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to run the ball at all. Ben Roethlisberger said earlier in the week on his radio show, and happy birthday to Ruth Cook, by the way, that the first series of the game, the five wide receiver sets, the scripted plays, were all designed really to throw the ball, and then Ben would check into runs periodically. So, according to him, I don't think that running was very much in the playbook. Mike Tomlin, when I talked to him on Tuesday for his press conference, because I'm a big-time big-boy journalist, I said, how'd you have some faith? in Jalen Samuels. What gave you the faith that you could hand him the ball 19 times when he'd never done that in his career before? And Tomlin, to his credit, said, well, who's to say we had confidence in the guy? So I don't think that the Steelers 
game plan last week was actually for them to run the ball. I think they fell bass-ackwards into it. I think they had some success. I think they had rushing lanes against a terrible rushing defense that was giving up five yards of carry coming in, and it worked out for them, and that's good coaching, sticking with it, but I don't think that that's what they wanted to do. Against New Orleans, you'd figure it'd be the same thing. They're not planning on running the ball a lot. Probably a lot of four and five wide receiver sets, and if you can run great, problem is... I don't think you're going to be able to. I mean, the New England Patriots had just come off a game where they're giving up 10 yards plus a carry to the Miami Dolphins. You knew if you could start running the ball that you'd be able to finish the game running the ball. Well, against the Saints, I don't think you're going to have the same kind of success. Now, the problem with the Steelers going 4-5 and five wide against New Orleans in that dome with that crowd noise is that it was a lot of no huddle last week against the Patriots. You don't have to deal with the crowd noise then. Ben Roethlisberger was getting up to the line of scrimmage, and he's barking out calls, and he's giving hand signals. Well, you're not going to be able to bark out any calls. It's all going to have to be hand signals. And if Juju's banged up, I think that means that you're going to see more James Washington. You're going to see more Ryan Switch. You're going to see more Eli Rogers, who hasn't played for the majority of this season. And I don't know how much those guys can be trusted in the hand signal-type circumstances. So if the Steelers do go five wide, four wide, and try to hurry this thing up and try to get to the line of scrimmage early and try to make calls then... And I'm not so sure it's going to be as successful as it was last week. And to that point, how successful really was it last week? Good enough to win, but 17 points, I didn't think they'd have a prayer to beat the Patriots. You put up 17 points this week against the Saints, you're getting your ass blown out. 412-922-2874. Again, at underscore Adam Crowley on Twitter. We spent a lot of time this week talking about Mike Tomlin versus Sean Payton. Who is the better head coach? It's a hypothetical. I mean, who would you rather have? And we played a little game. Would you rather have Breeze and Tomlin or Ben and Peyton? And for me, the answer's a pretty clear one there. I think Breeze is better than Ben. He's had a better career. He's certainly having a better season this year. But I think Mike Tomlin's the better coach than Sean Payton. I don't think a lot of people in Pittsburgh agree with me on that, though. I, I think beauty is sometimes in the eye of the beholder, or sometimes when you're a little too close to something, you see the flaws. Example. Uh, you're dating a hot chick, right? And you're with her for four years. Well, she's under the microscope. Some of the little things that she does eh, might perturb you, might bother you. You might not think they're as cute as somebody who's on the outside thinking, oh, he gets to date her? Oh, baby. If you've got it under your nose, if you've got the microscope to it, well, sometimes you pick out the flaws. Steelers fans, they know Mike Tomlin's flaws. Clock management, he's over his last 10 challenges, the guy's... Had a couple of losing seasons. Everyone says, well, it's Cowers players that he won with. But I don't think Pittsburgh fans are savvy enough, and maybe some of you are, but I think most of you aren't savvy enough to know that Sean Payton's got his own flaws. Both great coaches. We're splitting hairs here. But Tomlin's only had a couple of non-winning seasons, whereas Sean Payton had three 7-9 seasons in a row, four out of five years where he was 7-9, and nine, and he also had that whole bounty gate thing that went down. I'm taking Mike Tomlin. Now, Sean Payton's as good of a play caller as there is in this league, in an offensive-driven league. But Mike Tomlin's a guy who has had more consistency over the course of his career. And this isn't one of those conversations that you can have, Steelers fans, that you love to have, where, well, Cowher did this, Cowher did that without Ben Roethlisberger, and when he finally got him, he won. Okay, well, Sean Payton's had Drew Brees. Mike McCarthy, he had success early with... Aaron Rodgers, and then not a lot of success late with Aaron Rodgers. 
if you have four seven and nine seasons with Drew Brees, there's flaws there. And I know that Sean Payton has a lot to say when it comes to roster development and bringing players in on the defensive side. So you can tell me that, yes, they had bad defenses those years, and you would be absolutely correct. They had historically bad defenses for a three-year run. But Sean Payton has a lot to do with bringing those guys in. Mike Tomlin has, similarly, a lot to do with who the Steelers bring in, uh, both defensively and offensively, but more so you'd think on the defensive side of the ball. And there's been some underachievement there. But never have they bottomed out the way that the Saints did. They always had an opportunity to make the playoffs. Uh, both years where they were 8-8, eight and eight, one year you had Ryan Suckup missing a field goal. The week before, you had Ben Roethlisberger losing to the Dallas Cowboys throwing an interception. The week after, you have him throwing an interception against the Bengals. They win that game, they win the division, and all of a sudden, well, 8-8, eight 8-8, eight, eight eight eight, eight and 8's a playoff season. So I'm taking Mike Tomlin over Sean Payton. You tell me. 412-922-2874. I already know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask it anyhow. Do you have faith in the Steelers' defense? They slowed down the Patriots' attack. They made Tom Brady uncomfortable all game long. The Saints are better than the New England Patriots. But the Steelers, despite their flaws, and there are a lot of them on that side of the ball, the linebacker plays substandard, they don't have ball skills on the back end of the defense, but they have shown that they're capable. I keep using this line. Inconsistent and capable is a lot better than just being incapable. These Steelers on the defensive side of the ball are capable of playing a good game of football. I mean, think of the Chargers game. First half, they were outstanding. One touchdown, and it was on a broken play because the referee missed an obvious false start call by the right tackle. Uh, Most of the game against the Broncos, they played good defense. Most of the game against the Raiders, they played good defense until the fourth quarter hit, and then they fell apart. So I understand that there should be doubters, and I'm not saying I believe in them. What I am saying, though, is that they can do it. What I am saying is that they are capable. My hope is that they stick with the same game plan that they had against the Patriots. A lot of dime defense. Keep the linebackers off the field. Mix in some man press. And I think communication will be easier on the road for the defense. As much as I think the Steelers in their four and five wide receiver sets with Ben hurrying up to the line of scrimmage and calling in plays and having to communicate to James Washington and Eli Rogers is going to be a problem, I think the defense ironically, can benefit a little bit from being on the road. Now, you like the crowd. You like to be pumped up. Crowd noise helps. But Mike Tomlin said it can be difficult to communicate out there. Well, last week against the Patriots, one of the things that Mike Tomlin did that's been different than other points this season is he called in a lot of calls late against the Patriots with hand signals based on what look the Pats were giving. It could work and will need to work against the New Orleans Saints. We've talked about the Steelers needing to win this game to win the AFC North in all likelihood because you don't want to bank on the Cleveland Browns ever in anything uh, unless you're trying to get the number one draft pick. But the back door is starting to open up a little bit now for the Steelers if they are to lose this game. The Giants, they're up 14 nothing now on the Colts. Minute 41 to go in the first. So a lot of time left for... Oh, Andrew Luck to make his possible comeback again there at home in the Dome. But you need the Colts to lose 
and then next week beat the Titans, which is absolutely something that could go down if the Steelers are to back their way in, limp their way into the playoffs. Some of the other scores, Jaguars, Dolphins tied seven apiece. Who cares? Doesn't mean anything to the Steelers. Uh, Jets on top of the Packers, seven nothing. Who cares? Doesn't mean anything to the Steelers. The Texans have tacked on a field goal. Second quarter just underway. They trail the Eagles 7-3. That one's big because the New England Patriots, if they win their game in the Eagles, they beat the Texans. Well, the Patriots are going to have the number two seed in the AFC if they just win their final two games. New England, they're up 7-0 right now on Buffalo. Lions 3, Vikings nothing, you don't care. Cowboys, they are fighting their way into the playoffs. Ugly, ugly loss to the team right now, the Colts that are losing by 14 to the Giants. They got shut out last week. Uh, they need to win to make the playoffs. Hell, they're leaving the door open for maybe the Philadelphia Eagles to backslide their way in. We all saw the video, if you have it, it's on my Twitter account, of Baker Mayfield getting pumped up prior to the game, listening to some Phil Collins in the air tonight. Well, they're tied 0-0 with the Bengals right now. I think this is a big game for them. I think if they finish the season with two wins to get to 8-7-1, they'll throw a damn parade in Cleveland, given what they've done over the last two decades since they've come back into the league. Coming up next, Wesley Euler joins me. Uh, he of Steelers Nation Radio. You can check him out on Fridays with Arthur Motes now. It's a very good show. They filled in for Tunch and Wolf last week. Get his thoughts on Steelers and Saints. Uh, what's the Steelers game plan going to be in a game where New Orleans got a pretty damn good run defense, and the Steelers' key to success has seemed to be this year that they run the ball. It's Adam Crowley, Corona Tailgate Talk, live from Mullins on the North Shore, TSP in Pittsburgh. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. You may be familiar with the next guest as the guy who never shuts the hell up on Steelers Nation Radio. You can hear him from noon until 1 every single day. Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler. That's the man joining me now on Fridays. You and Arthur Motes now kicking it, man. Is that fun? Oh, that was a ringing endorsement you just gave me there, by the way. Yes. Thank you. But it is. Motes, Motes is great, man. He's been a blast. Three shows in the book so far. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Are you guys going to start doing, like, Christmas dinner together? Are you going to walk his dogs when he's out of town? I feel like you guys got a budding friendship. We'll see if I can get him on a uh, on a double date to the Pittsburgh Symphony, you know, something like that. Some classy. Ooh, a little pops pulling some strings there. Uh, your dad was just at the Steelers facility last week, I saw. Yearly tradition? Yeah, yearly tradition now. I think five or six years. Uh, my father's a violinist in the symphony for the 99% of people listening right now that aren't familiar with what <laughs> you and I are talking about. Yeah, he was down with the Steelers, which is always my you know yearly reminder that I will never be as cool as my father no matter how hard I try. I accepted it a long time ago, but it still stings every year. Yeah, not even close, although you're there every damn day, which is why you're on right now. And I was just talking about it. The success of the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, I don't think is a coincidence. When they run the ball, they're 6-0-1 for over 100 yards. But you look at the Saints' defense, you look at who's not there in James Conner, and while I think it's best to keep Breeze and company off the field, much like they did with the Patriots last week, I don't know how much they're going to be planning on running. And if it is a big part of their game plan, Wes, uh, I think it's something they're probably going to have to wind up abandoning far earlier than they'd want to. Yeah, especially in New Orleans, right? Uh, that defense is great. They are. They take it to even a different level at home in the Superdome in front of that crowd. I'm with you. I'm worried that early on they're not going to have much success running the ball. 
and then that's going to just lead to them, hey, let's put the ball in Ben's hands to the tune of 40, 45 passes, something along those lines. And like you just said, uh, I think the proof is in the pudding that that just hasn't brought them much success this year. What do you make of the comments made by Cameron Jordan? Uh, I liked your take on it earlier yeah. about how you, you have to really think that he's obviously just watched some game film over the past couple weeks, and by those standards, you can't completely just poo-poo everything he said because, as you laid out, it's all right there in front of you. I Where he lost me was when he brought Eli in at the oh. very end. I mean, you're talking about a guy. He kind of jumped back and forth between going from numbers, like when he was talking about A.A. Ron, as he says, talking about just numbers. But then he brings in Eli, and he's like, well, Eli's got two rings too, so which is it? Is it the numbers or is it the postseason success? Because in either facet, Ben has Eli beat. Uh, Eli, in what now, his 15th year in the NFL, has only won postseason games two times in those 15 years. Yes, he went on to win the Super Bowl against Tom Brady both of those years, so that's going to be something that you can never take away from him. But he's, I think, all-time in his career, like 4-10, and 10? In playoff, like not maybe not made four and eight, I think in playoff games. So yeah, it was a little uh, back and forth flip flopping there from from Cam Jordan. Are you talking about numbers? Are you talking about rings? I don't think he could really make up his mind. No, I don't think so either. I think he was talking out of his ass. Yeah. Or it's just I saw Ben this year. I think Ben is bad because of what I've seen this year, and that's where my take has to end. I mean, to your point, Eli Manning's played about a dozen playoff games. Ben Roethlisberger's played in twenty four of them. So the success that Ben has had to lead his team to the postseason, it means something to me. Now, maybe the rosters have been better, but you can argue that Eli Manning certainly had a lot of talent around him too. So that's, that's another place where he did lose me as well, Wes. As for this game, Juju, he's going to play. He announced it. Hey, I'm happy because I got him in my fantasy lineup. I felt like he was talking directly to me. I thought he was <laughs> seeing into my soul when he said, all you guys who drafted me, he was, we're boys. All you guys that drafted me, I'm playing for you. It's a big game. Well, it's a huge game for the Steelers, but if he's not 100%, that's not good because I think that the Saints are good at one corner spot. I think Eli Apple sucks. I think he blows. I know that Andrew Filippone from the station across the street, as he's one to do, tweeted out this week, well, why didn't the Steelers trade for Eli Apple? What, are they going to trade for Artie Burns 2.0? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean yeah. is that what you want to do? He's not good, Eli Apple. He's especially not good with the ball in the air. Juju's outstanding with the ball in the air, but how much does that get hampered by the hamster or the uh, groin pull injury? I'm not sure, but it, it can't be good. I guess we're going to find out in a couple hours here, right? Um, I'm with you. I think, man, if you look at this game as a whole, uh, offense and defensive units against each other, uh, special teams, what each team is working with, I think the one area where the Steelers really have a clear-cut advantage It'd be their skill position players on the perimeter. Yep. But if Juju is 70%, if Juju is 80%, maybe that advantage isn't quite what you want it to be. And, hey, we could talk about James Washington, how he's looked better. Uh, we could talk about Vance McDonald. We know what he's capable of. But it really starts, right, if you want to make these guys pay on the perimeter, if, if you want to hit some big plays, it really starts with A.B. and Juju. And, again, I think – Looking at it, if everyone's healthy, if all things are considered, that is where the Steelers maybe have the best chance to, to find their bread and butter, if you will. 
but it'll be interesting to see how good Juju really is to go and, and how much of an impact he can have. Because I look at Antonio Brown, and if I'm the Chargers, or the Saints, I have Lattimore just follow that son bitch all across the field. Yeah. And since Apple's played a little bit better, and again, that's probably relative, he has stayed on one side of the field, and then on the other side of the field, you've got Lattimore, who's a very good player. Very good. Well, I'd imagine with Juju being banged up, even if you don't know to the extent how much, if you're the Saints, I, I still think you got to say, all right, Lattimore, you're going to follow AB. I, I think that that's the best game plan that they could put together. And you have a safety over the top, and you limit AB's ability to beat you. And then at that point, you really start to miss that running game if you're unable to get something going. Let me ask you this, Wes, and Wesley Euler joining me, Adam Crowley from Mullins on the North Shore for Corona Tailgate Talk. Does Boswell hitting that 48-yard field goal give you any more confidence in him? Um, I guess as much as possible in a vacuum. <laughs> but not, I didn't think he's making it. Not, I didn't either. And, hey, in my mind I was thinking more so than he's not making it is, oh, wow, you're going to give the Patriots the ball in great field position here. But I guess, again, as much as relative to the situation, you could put stock into that moment for him. Sure. I mean, he, he misses that, what was it, a 32, 38-yard field goal? Not a chip shot, but certainly one that you would think NFL kickers make 90% of the time. You trot him back out there. You're worried about the field position. He gives you a cushion, a seven-pointer. After, let's be honest here, it was not a good look, him for an hour sitting on the end of the bench by himself Ugh. with nobody. That was kind of bothering me as we were back at the studios last week. I was like, hey, I realize he's an adult. You can only do so much here. But, like, somebody has to go up and say something to him. You can't let him sit on the bench there by himself for an hour and a half. Like, you're going to need him later in the game. And they did to an extent. And he came through. I'm still not holding my breath. No, make another one. Make another one. And then make How another about one make two that. more? How about make your extra points? Exactly. Make three, make four. Now, he's kicking in a dome that helps. this week. Well, you would think. There have been a number of people that said, Crowley, Boswell, he's okay. He hit that 48-yard field goal. It was good at the time. They needed it at the time. It made you feel a little bit better about Tom Brady throwing into the end zone. And it got that crowd juiced. It did, and it helped get that place as loud as it's been yeah. in a long time. But if you don't hit a couple in a row, I'm not going to buy it. And we're beyond the point now where he should have been cut. I would have cut him before last week. You lose Kai Forbath because he gets signed, so you don't get to bring him anymore. You've lost your safety net. He was the only guy who performed well in the audition, the tryout. So you're, you're kind of F there. I mean, if you lose because you miss a field goal, you could put it on Boswell. It'll be on Boswell, but at that point, it is just as much on Mike Tomlin. It is just as much on Kevin Colbert. It's the organization that's stuck by a guy who shouldn't have been stuck with. Wes, how good is Baltimore for real? I don't know, but I think the defense is pretty good yes. because, man, their offense left a lot of points on the field last night. It, what, 22-10? to 10, Was that the final? Baltimore could have easily scored 35 points yes. in that they game. They should have throttled them. Uh, their defense, hey, we talk a lot about a lack of splash plays here in Pittsburgh. That defense makes plays. That defense has an impact on every single game they play. So your question is, how good are the Ravens? 
I'm really not sure, but I am confident in that defense, particularly when you get into playoff time, when games get closer, when the, the scoreboard, the margin for error in, or decreases and decreases. I think that defense is good enough to, to keep them in a game with anybody. I think you saw that last night. Well, how the hell do you tear the AFC now, right? Because wow. coming into last night's game, everyone's falling in love with the Chargers, which is kind of odd to me. We talked on my show about how Phillip Rivers never won, seems like a good guy, so you kind of want to root for them. But boy, does he bitch all the damn time. Oh. I mean, at the end of the Chiefs game, I'm thinking, buddy, the clock's running down. What in the sweet world are you doing here First yesterday? Last night. Oh, my God. It's the whole damn game this guy's bitching and moaning. Why do we root for that guy? I mean, that guy's Sidney Crosby without the success, at least in people's minds. Crosby doesn't do that the way that people think he does. That's the captain's job to talk to the referees. But I, I don't believe in them all that much i mean can they get there sure to me it's the chiefs and i don't think they're a great team because their defense sucks so bad and then it's everybody else if new england gets home field advantage or the number two seed they're going to the afc championship game they're a much better team at home yeah probably and that's why i'm rooting extra hard for the texans right now is just because i don't want to see the patriots get that first round by for what the 90th straight season and and because they're not good on the road and i think we can both agree to aside from what happens with the Steelers, uh, we would just really l- not like to see the Patriots get back to another Super Bowl this year. Especially I mean, come on, suck. Anybody other than those guys, let's get someone new in there. Getting back to the Chargers, um, I look at them two ways. Uh, on Wednesday, I said I honestly think they might have, uh, from number one to number 53, the best roster in the NFL. Just on paper, in terms of talent, the best roster in the NFL. I mean, you look at the, the the pass rushers they have on defense. You look at Derwin James and Desmond King in the secondary. Studs. And then on offense, you see the weapons everywhere. You see the future Hall of Fame quarterback. Say what you will about him, particularly in crunch time. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I think you could make a very legitimate argument that they have the best roster in the NFL, certainly in the AFC. But what really hurts them, and, and you saw this partially last night, is they have no home field advantage. They play road games, and they play neutral site games. That's it. And we know how big, we're just talking about the Patriots, home field advantages in the playoffs. They will have none. They will at best play a neutral site game in the postseason. At best, I think that hurts them, uh, particularly when you have a team with a bunch of guys who have, as much as I sometimes don't like this line of thinking, a bunch of guys who have never been there before, a bunch of guys who have never done it before, you compound all that with the fact that, again, they don't really have a home field advantage. Not Certainly not like the Patriots have or the no. Steelers have or the Saints have or the Eagles have. They leave a lot to be desired, no doubt. Well, to that point about them and the league as a whole, the AFC maybe even more so, this kind of reminds me, if the, if the Steelers don't make the playoffs, it kind of reminds me of 2010 with the Pittsburgh Penguins when – they lose to Montreal, and it was all set up. Now, they're exhausted. They played cup final back-to-back years. Plus the Olympics. And the Olympics. They had, like, nine guys go to the Olympics. Yeah, and it was a grind. But you're sitting there looking at Montreal, and then in the next round you're going to have a matchup that you think's fortuitous for you, and, like- and they lose. And Philly goes to the cup final, and, okay, really? The conference was up for grabs. The AFC's up for grabs this year. And yet the Steelers very well might not be invited to the dinner party. And wouldn't that even be more of a uh, a kick in the knackers, a punch in the gut, if all this plays out and the Steelers don't get in in the year that you finally beat the Patriots? Like, that would just be a double whammy, too. As you mentioned, it's wide open this year. 
I mean, we could talk about the NFC too, but it's wide open across the NFL, particularly in the AFC. In a year that you finally slay the dragon, skin the cat, whatever. I don't know. Whatever you want to say about beating the Patriots at home finally for the first time in David seven Goliath, years. Whatever. David and Goliath. It would be, man, that would be salt in the wound to this year at least not have a shot. Absolutely. All right, Wes, uh, getting paper. It's a segment that you do at, oh, no. at the end of the week on Fridays. Get that paper. Who wins this game, Steelers or Saints? Are you asking me straight up or with the spread? I go straight up. Because, you know, and get that paper, we it's take spread. the spread in the question here. Saints? Yeah. I, I If this game's in Pittsburgh, I'm singing a completely different tune. Agreed. You have a Saints team that's been on the road for three straight weeks. I think that plays into this big time. They're going to be – you mentioned earlier how much do they really have to play for. I think getting back home after, after three weeks on the road gives the team a jump. And their offense has struggled these last three weeks, averaging only 17 points a game after being, what, over 30 before these last three weeks. I think they're going to come out and play. Now, certainly, if the Steelers went down there and won, it would not surprise me. Sure. I think this will be a one-possession game regardless. I think uh, tonight we'll see whoever has the ball last is going to have an opportunity to win the game or seal the game, that type of situation. Um, if you're giving me the six-and-a-half points that the Steelers are getting, yeah, give me the Steelers. But I think probably Saints by three, Saints by four, something like that. Wes, appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. Of course. Now you're just going to have to sit here and listen to the last segment of the program. You're going to have to be an observer. Well, I guess you won't bore me to death, so I'll take it. Thanks again. That's Wesley Euler. You can catch him from noon until 1 every day but Tuesday on Steelers Nation Radio. That's the Mike Tomlin press conference day on Fridays. He's joined by Arthur Motes, and my God, they suck all the energy out of the building because those two guys are just total nutcases. Coming up next, we'll hear from Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, as we get set for Steelers Radio Network pregame show uh, i'll tell you what's going on around the league and i will also give you my prediction and keys for today's game it is corona tailgate talk live from mullins it's adam crowley ESPN pittsburgh Listen to the chat. here we go steelers here we go this is tailgate talk with adam crowley what a leaping grab by antonio brown on the near sideline presented by corona find your beat for game day Crowley. For those of you who think that the Steelers are dead if they lose to the Saints, well, I think Baker Mayfield's going to have something to say about that. They're playing like a team that wants Greg Williams to be the head coach in perpetuity. They're up 13 0 on the Bengals right now. Bengals have the ball. Baker Mayfield balling out, though. 10 for 15, 75 yards, two touchdowns. There's a backdoor in. Backdoor in. And it's the Steelers, as ironic as it sounds, rooting for the Browns in the last week of the season if they do fall to the Saints. I'll give you my keys to the game coming up in a few minutes. Also, Jerry Dulac getting set to join us. Uh, the Giants, another backdoor way in is if they beat the Colts, and the Colts next week beat the Titans, uh, Giants 14 Colts 7. In the battle for the number two seed in the AFC, the Patriots on top of the Bills, 14 to nothing. And the Eagles, they've got the ball second and goal against Houston. Uh, Texans up on that one, 9-7. to seven. We are joined now by Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network in advance of the Steelers Radio Network pregame show. Uh, Jerry, did you get a chance to hear the Cam Jordan audio? Well, I haven't heard the audio. I just heard what he said. And to me, uh, Adam, it's another example of, of, of the uh, 
moronic nature and stupidity of today's athletes. One, to even make that remark shows you his lack of intelligence about it. Two, that he would say Eli Manning is better. Look, I'm not here to diss Eli Manning, but Ben has more wins and fewer interceptions if that's the knock everybody wants to, uh, uh, you know, make against Ben. Uh, Eli Manning's thrown more career interceptions, does not have the same record, uh, has two Super Bowls, and I like Eli Manning, but his numbers don't compare to Ben's. And to say it the week you're playing the guy, now just how stupid a guy can be. And that's the, you know, in today's day and age, Adam, we're all part of it. You know, guys say something that's so moronic, so stupid, and so outlandish that everybody runs with it. And, and you know, it, it would be a more perfect world if somebody would say that and somebody in our business would go, you know what, that's idiotic, <laughs> and not even give the guy the form to be, to be a moron. But that's, you know, I'm surprised at that. But, again, it just points up what, uh, what we're dealing with today with some athletes who feel they can say things like that. And, again, to say it the week you're going to play the guy, how dumb is that? Oh, I think it's completely idiotic, and I'd imagine Ben Roethlisberger is going to use it a little bit as fuel. Not that he's not trying to win to get the Steelers into the playoffs right now, but Ben's a competitive guy. There's no way he's not going to at least use it a little bit this week. Yeah, and you know what? His, more importantly, I think his teammates, uh, you know, in those oh, situations, point. you know, run to their defense. Not that it's going to cause any problem or somebody's going to go seek him out and, and try to start a fight or anything like that, but... Believe me, they'll, they'll remind guys of that, uh, you know, on the field every time they make a play, just as Ben did with uh, Talvin Smith, I believe it was, correct, against Jacksonville. Right. Uh, you know, in, in, you know, quietly, subtly, he'll do the same thing with this guy. Hey, look, Cameron Jordan's a good player. But when I hear things like that, uh, all of a sudden I lose my respect for players like that. I get, I, I'm just completely tired of that nonsense. Jerry Julak in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and Steelers Radio Network with us here on the Crowley Show. Mike Tomlin, a better coach than Sean Payton, in your opinion, Jerry? Well, he's been to more Super Bowls. Yeah. And, you know, it's fashionable because they're 12-2 and two to uh, say he's a better coach. But I'd say those three straight years when he was 7-9, and nine, who did you think was the better coach? Who was the better coach all those years? I don't even think there's any comparison. I don't even think it's close. Mike Tomlin's record speaks for itself. And just because Sean Payton's 12-2 and two this year doesn't mean he's the better coach. It's just that they have the better team this year. Couldn't agree more. We are lockstep right now. Jerry Dulek again with us on the Crowley Show. Going into New Orleans is very difficult. Ben almost giggled whenever he recanted going back there in um, whatever year it was, whenever they played there on Halloween. I mean, it's a tough place to play. Uh, They're obviously better there. Everyone's been talking about the offense, but their defense is pretty darn good. You know, Adam, they're the rare combination of a team that can sack the quarterback, rush the passer, and stop the run. Usually it's one or the other. Usually you stop the run and your pass rush isn't that good, or you can or you can really get after the quarterback and sacrifice the run. Well, these guys are number one against the run. Uh, part of that is because teams are playing from behind against them and have to throw to catch up, so their run numbers suffer. Um, but, you know, the Saints also I think they have one fewer sack than the Steelers. They're fourth in the, in the uh, NFL in sacks, so they can do both. Yeah, they're a good defense. They are susceptible, though, uh, in the back end. They're susceptible on the edges. Adam, uh, they have allowed more passing yards to wide receivers than any team in the league. They don't give up yards in the middle of the field. So I'm not going to expect a big game from uh, Vance McDonald. Maybe Jalen Samuels gets some check downs. But I think you're going to see bigger games on the edge uh, from the Steeler receivers. Now, I say that knowing that 
Juju Smith was put on the practice report today, uh, injury report with, uh, with a uh, groin injury. I do not know how serious that is. I know he, he left practice, uh, at some point and wasn't there at the end. Uh, but I think, um, you know, you saw the Cowboys a couple weeks ago go after Eli Apple. I fully expect the Steelers to do the same. I also think, I, I don't think there's any question, Marshawn Lattimore is going to follow Antonio Brown the same way Joe Hayden is going to follow Michael Thomas. But uh, if they think they're going to cover A.B. with one guy, which they don't, but if that's what they think, I don't know that they're a big man press team like, say, Jacksonville, but they like they rely on Marshawn Lattimore. But uh, I've seen uh, I've seen A.B. Uh, torture a lot of guys who think they might be able to coverage him, cover him single up. And uh, but like I said, they they give up a lot of yards on the edge of the field. So we'll see what happens Sunday. Jerry, do you think that playing on turf would have anything to do with Juju or James Conner? I mean, in in them getting onto the field this week. Well, James Conner's not going to play. Adam, uh, when he got hurt, uh, you know, at the time I was told the best case is two weeks. The worst case. The worst case is the uh, back for the playoffs. If if Baltimore would lose and the Steelers would win, and the next week's game doesn't matter, he won't play then again, so he won't be back till the postseason. I do not expect him to play uh, at all, whether it's grass or turf. Um, and with Juju, again, I don't know the nature of his injury. Sure. I really don't think with that it will make that with his injury it would make a difference. But again, I, it would depend more on the severity of it. Than, than what type of surface they're playing on. You mentioned uh, the Ravens. How good a shot do you give them to go out there to Los Angeles and win that game? I mean, the the, the, Ra- the, Ra- the Ravens are, they don't die, man. They're like a cockroach. No, they don't, and they never do. That's because they're a great organization. They're much like the Steelers. They're very resilient. Uh, all this all this talk in the middle of the year about John Harbaugh might get fired on Monday. First of all, they don't operate that way. Second of all, they have a whole half a season to go, and look what they've done. They hang around. They hang around better in games and in seasons better than any team that I know, and they went out to Kansas City two weeks ago and hung around there. They'll hang around in this game, too. Chargers won't blow them out. I don't expect them to. Uh, you know, they can run the ball with uh, with their, their new running back and Lamar Jackson, so they'll be able to control the pace a little bit. I like that Chargers team. Uh, I, I could very easily see Baltimore winning. I think the Chargers will win. I think they're a good football team. But I can promise you the Ravens aren't going away. And uh, they'll, they'll be in the middle of that game uh, until the end. Jerry, how much do you think the Steelers are going to try to win? Uh, win to Try to run on Sunday uh, if it is Jalen Samuels. And like you said, it sounds like it's going to be, uh, given how good that that rush defense is for the Saints. You know, Adam, I think people lose sight of what happened against New England, even though it wasn't a high-scoring game. Uh, they were able to run successfully with Jalen Samuels, and there were huge holes. But at halftime, he only had seven carries, but for 70 yards. And if you recall, there are 34 off- offensive plays. The vast majority of those were run from an empty set right. with no running back. So it wasn't like they came out and threw the, uh, ran the ball against the Patriots. Um, you know, we'll see how they attack this team. Uh, I would not be at all surprised to see the plan be to throw. The plan is to throw the ball to open up the run as opposed to the other way around. But a lot of it will depend on the success they're having running the ball. But they're still going to throw early to run like that's ideally is what they always like to do. Chris Boswell, one for two in the game against the Patriots, hits the 48-yarder. 
Uh, obviously, yeah. nothing talked about this week, I'd imagine, in terms of uh, getting rid of him. If they were going to stand by him before, they're going to stand by him after the 48-yarder. Uh, I, I guess that's just what you do now, right? Uh, I mean, do you, do you think that there's any circumstance where they would say goodbye, I mean, with only a couple of weeks left? No, I don't think so, Adam. I think if that was going to happen, it would have happened last week, and I didn't expect it to happen on all. The Steelers don't want to get rid of Chris Boswell. They're just hoping to weather the storm. They're hoping, you know, maybe he finds something here uh, at the end and does what he did against New England, make the kick that, that really counted, even though it wasn't a game winner. It gave him, you know, a little padding there at the end with two and a half minutes left. Um, they know what Chris Boswell can do. He's done it for three years. Adam, he's 46 of 48 from December into January the last three years, 15 of 15 in the playoffs. That's kicking in bad weather. That's kicking in big games. Those are clutch performances, and that's the kind of kicker he is. They don't want to get rid of that guy. Who's out there that's better than that? Again, they're just keeping their fingers crossed and hoping they could weather this bad stretch, even if it's a bad stretch for the rest of the year. But it is not their intent to get rid of Chris Boswell. Jerry, really appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot. Have a nice holiday. Adam, same to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you, and we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Speaking of the network, it is kicking off at about 14 minutes here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Jerry Dulac, Mike Pursuta, other assorted cast and characters. Uh, before we get to them, before we get to my keys to this game, one more update on what's going on around the National Football League. The Browns beating the Bengals 13-0. to zip. Uh, they have the football. They are 6-7-1, looking to get to 500. Uh, the last time that the Browns were a 500 football team uh, at the end of the season was in 2010, uh, when they or 2007, pardon me, when they finished 10 and six, and based on losing to the Steelers twice, did not win the AFC North and did not make the playoffs. That was the Josh Cribs year, where that son bitch was returning everything for a touchdown. Uh, I think this game means a lot to them. And I think that the game that they're going to play next week against the Baltimore Ravens, I think that means a lot to them too. I think that they want Greg Williams to be their head coach, and I don't think that's the best-case scenario. Uh, I think that you'd want Greg Williams to be your defensive coordinator still. I think he's proven he's good at that. They are one of the better teams in the league at taking the football away. But I don't know if you want him being your head coach. I think you want an offensive guru in there. Now, that offensive coordinator now, they're feeling a lot better. They're putting up a lot more points than they had been with either Hugh or Todd Haley there. But I'm still looking at a guy like Lincoln Riley returning to hang out with his boy, Baker Mayfield. The Vikings and Lions in a disgusting fest. Lions up 9 to nothing. Are the Vikings just saying, you know, we don't give a rip before if we make the playoffs or not? I mean, how the hell does that happen? The Lions are ass cheese. I mean, they are 5-9. and nine. They're terrible even at home where they're 3-4. and four. The Vikings, they're awful on the road, 2-4-1. and one. You can't lose this game. You can't. And they are in position now where it looks like they very well might. Uh, for the backdoor cover, for the backdoor, Steelers getting into the playoffs. Colts lose this week, beat the Titans next week. Steelers beat the Bengals if they lose to the Saints. Well, the Giants on top 14-7, to seven, and at that exact moment, they kick a field goal. They're up 17-7 to seven, are the Giants. Dolphins 7, Jags 7. I don't know if the Dolphins are officially eliminated. They can get to 9-7 and seven and still maybe get into the playoffs if the Steelers lose out and some weird stuff goes down. Uh, Patriots battle for the number two seed. They're up 14-0 over the Bills. Josh Allen sucks, at least today. 7-15, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Sonny Michel having himself a day for the New England Patriots. Nine carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Tom Brady, interception. 
not playing good today for the Pats. The Jets on top of the Packers, 21-7. to The Eagles beating the Texans by four, again in the battle for the number two seed in the AFC. I will not say the score of that game. Falcons, 10. Panthers, 10 in a game between two irrelevance. Uh, you do not have Cam Newton playing in that one. Later on today, Rams and Cardinals. Uh, Rams trying to catch the Saints for home field advantage. Will they? Well, Steelers will have something to say about that. Even so, it's looking unlikely. Bears at 49ers. Bears, I think, are a legitimately good football team with a great defense that can make some noise in the NFC. Later on tonight after Steelers Saints, get Chiefs and Seahawks. And the Chiefs now, they're looking like they're going to get that number one seed in the AFC. And if the Steelers do make the playoffs by winning this game, winning next week, they'd be playing the Chargers in all likelihood in the first round, the wild card round. All right, now it's time for our wildly popular and totally innovative keys to the game segment. No James Conner. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to play in this football game. Is he going to be 100%? We shall see. AB's going to have a tough time, I think, because he's going to be going up against Marcus Lattimore, who's a really, or Marshawn Lattimore, who's a very good corner, physical. He was their matchup guy early in the season until they got Eli Apple and then since Eli Apples come in, they've kind of left him on one side of the field, and they've left Lattimore on the other side of the field. Well, if Juju's not 100%, Eli Apple's not great, but you like his chances more if Juju can't play all that well. Well, A.B.'s going to have a tough time being bracketed by a really good corner. I don't think the running game without Connor is going to be part of the game plan. I think it's going to struggle when they do try to run. It's the number one rush defense. I don't think they're going to have a shot. You can throw a bit, though, on this Saints secondary. Again, if you're healthy, though. They've given up almost 4,000 yards passing. They've given up a quarterback rating of 98.7. Their defensive line is really good. So the secondary, not great, but the defensive line, really good. Cam Jordan's a pro bowler for a reason. He's quick. He's strong. He's got a variety of pass rush moves. And Marcus Gilbert, again, not going to play for the Steelers. They lead the league in sacks. They're tied for, with Pittsburgh with that distinction. They don't just get after the quarterback, though. As I mentioned, they stop the run. Their linebackers, they're pretty good. They're not as good as the defensive line. They're not as good as a guy like Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, back to Eli Apple just for a second, though. He's not good at going up and getting the ball in the air. He will run with you, but he stinks when you got to make a combat catch. That's what Juju's strength is. If Juju was 100% healthy, and we'll see how he looks whenever he gets out there, I think that the Steelers would have a really good chance of winning because I think that he could have his way with Eli Apple all day. Uh, some people across the street have talked a lot about whether or not Eli Apple should have been traded for because the Steelers need a corner with some upside, maybe a change of scenery guy. But you're basically at that point, you're just trading for Artie Burns. So that's dumb. I don't think he's very good. It's why it's imperative that Juju Smith-Schuster plays and plays well. Uh, if not, it's going to be up to a guy like James Washington to make plays. And the Steelers' offense, which operated a lot no, out of no huddle last week, well, <laughs> you're going to have to deal with a young guy in James Washington and that crowd noise. Yeesh. Yeesh. The Saints also, we, we keep talking about them as an offensively oriented football team. We'll get to the Steelers' defense slowing them down in a second. But the Saints have not allowed an offensive score in the second half of the last three weeks. All right, as for the Steelers' defense, what they've got to do, we thought it was tough to get to Tom Brady, right? Well, Breeze has only been sacked 15 times in 14 games. 
I think the game plan should be similar to that of the one against the Patriots. A lot of dime defense because of how good the backs are in space. And then the hope is that even if you can't sack Breeze, you can at least hope to disrupt the rhythm and flow of the offense. Uh, it's really a rhythm type offense. One, two, three, catch. One, two, three, balls out. One, two, three, balls out. Michael Thomas, if Breeze puts it on him, he makes the catch. He's a freaking monster. 109 catches, 1,267 yards on the season. I think, though, the biggest threat that they have, the best player that they have, the toughest guy to match up with is Alvin Kamara. He can catch the ball. He's great in space. 77 catches for over 600 yards. He's a great route runner. Then they bring the hammer with Mark Ingram. He will F your day up. He's hard to get on the ground. They want to run the ball. They're really good in play action. So if they do run the ball initially, you're going to have trouble. And that is kind of the paradox for the Steelers, right? You want to play a lot of dime defense because you don't want them to carve you up. But if you play a lot of dime defense, they should be able to run the ball. I get the Steelers losing this one 31-24. They can play with them. They're as good as anyone. But on the road, New Orleans is a totally different deal. The Steelers are more likely to make mistakes than the Saints are. Ben's more likely to make mistakes than Breeze. Juju isn't 100%, and that's a problem. No James Conner in their rush defense isn't that of the New England Patriots. Thanks to Wes. Thanks to Mullins. Thanks to Tom. Steelers Radio Network pregame show coming up next right here on ESPN Pittsburgh.